0: the way the quarterback positions across the league might change heading into 2024. Welcome back to the NFL on Fox podcast. I'm Dave Hellman. And it feels so good to be back in your podcast feed, on your YouTube channel. Yes, we took some time off to get our minds right, to catch our breath after the Super Bowl. But this is the NFL, and there's no such thing as the offseason. It's time to go. It's Combine Week. The NFL world is descending on Indianapolis. There's rumors about. There's draft prospects to scout. There's so much to get into starting right now. So it felt like the perfect time to come back. Felt like the perfect time to launch into 2024. So if you weren't, if you, if you didn't already have us in your podcast feed or on your YouTube lineup, make sure you fix that. Please go subscribe, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, all the social feeds, the at, the, at NFL on Fox Pod, excuse me, wherever you get your social, Instagram. the the X app, the former bird app, whatever it was, all those things. You can find us there. You can find us on YouTube. We took a break, but we will be back. And, And, excuse me, we are back. And we're back in style in addition to a full show. We've got a great conversation for you today. Former NFL quarterback, current NFL on Fox analyst, Mark Sanchez dropped by to preview the quarterback market for free agency. Who could be signing where? might be getting traded what to make of Caleb Williams his former USC Trojan where he might wind up and what that might look like really fantastic conversation with Mark coming up later on the show but first we are back some time has passed there's plenty of news to catch you up on let's start with the biggest news that came down just at the end of last week it's that business is booming NFL has officially set its 2024 salary cap at $255.4 million for the upcoming league year that starts officially on March 13th. So like I said, just a little more than like three weeks away, it is here. It's the largest year-by-year cap jump in salary cap history. Obviously, that's only since 1994, but still, for a league where you usually see a, a 12 or so million dollar a year jump, a 30 million dollar jump from last year's cap number is astronomical. You don't believe me? Go ahead and look at the reports. I'm reading one from Dan Graziano right now of ESPN that notes several teams, most of the league was working with a budget in mind of 240 to 245 million dollars. So I've seen this analogy going around a lot, talking about credit cards. Imagine waking up one day and finding out that your budget for the year was that much over what you thought. Teams could be working with as much as $15 million extra dollars than what they were anticipating as they were getting their budgets ready, figuring out what all they needed for the coming year. What's the what's the difference, you might say? They're calling it... Well, first of all, it, it sounds as though... And I, I'm not. I'm not a capologist. I'm not an expert on these things. But it sounds like... All of the money that was lent toward the future, all of the things that they had to do to account for the massive revenue losses during COVID, sounds like that has all been fully paid back. So the league is in as good of financial shape as it's been in since the COVID-19 pandemic. And then on top of that, a quote, extraordinary increase in media revenue. So yeah, somebody go ahead, find a Swifty and thank them. Taylor Swift showing up on your TV for 30 minutes per Chiefs game just bought your team an extra marquee free agent. Obviously, it's it's a little more complex than that. I think uh, the major deal with YouTube TV for NFL Sunday ticket probably had something to do with it, not to mention the billion-dollar deal with Amazon to televise Thursday Night Football. Yeah, you can thank all of that as well. But I absolutely think... Taylor Swift drawing as much interest as she did to the league over the last nine or so months played a role in this. If you don't, I think you're, you're being a hater. Is it, is it the main reason for it? No, I don't think so. I do think it's worth mentioning. So, Business is good, y'all. Don't let the GMs and coaches of your favorite NFL team tell you they can't find the money to sign your guy because it's clearly not true. $255 million to build your roster with. And teams are already setting about that process. The first big news, we are we are in the window for applying the franchise tag. Teams have roughly two weeks to decide whether they will offer one-year contracts to franchise players Throughout the league, we'll, we'll see how teams handle this as the deadline approaches leading up to free agency. But with the extra money, we've already seen some willingness to use these major tags right here at the start of the week. The Cincinnati Bengals have already franchise tagged T. Higgins. They've offered him a one-year, $21.8 million contract. Remember, he doesn't have to sign it. He he can not sign it and use that as leverage for a long-term deal, the Bengals' star receiver, but he is officially out of free agency. T. Higgins, forget about it if you're thinking about your team putting in a bid. The only question now is... Does T. Higgins play out the contract with the Bengals? One year, $21.8 million. Does he continue working with the Bengals on a long-term extension? Remember, that could be tricky with Joe Burrow already on a huge deal, not to mention Jamar Chase coming in the very near future. Or is this a sign that the Bengals are interesting, interested in trading T. Higgins? This is the week for all of that. If I didn't mention, it's a great week to be back. The NFL Combine is kicking off in full gear in Indianapolis the annual scouting convention, we'll call it, where you get uh, a first look at all of this year's draft prospects. You'll see them do the underwear Olympics and all that. But the more interesting side of it is this, is teams getting together, all 32 teams in one city all week. And maybe the Bengals will talk to people about potentially trading. Hey, what would you give us for T. Higgins? Seeing reports that he could be worth as much as a first-round pick if the Bengals would rather move on and use a a draft pick to replace that talent. A guy with 2,000-yard seasons, 24 career touchdowns, huge, huge game in that Super Bowl that they lost a couple years ago. Yeah, I think T. Higgins could get you a first-round pick if the Bengals were willing to do it. We'll see where it goes. Like I said, it's a two-week window, so we could see teams taking their times with this. Often you'll see... NFL teams push this right up to the deadline, but the Bengals saying, we don't even want to deal with the thought of T Higgins reaching free agency. He is under team control for at least 2024. We'll see where it goes from here. I mentioned at the top that business was booming. Should throw in the caveat. Maybe not if you're an NFL running back. All we know right now is, is that T Higgins has been franchise tagged. We'll see who else gets tagged leading up to that March 5th deadline. But what we have already heard, even at this early date, not a whole lot of teams interested in guaranteeing those one-year deals to their running backs. Already we're hearing reports. The Giants not interested in tagging Saquon Barkley. The Las Vegas Raiders not interested in tagging Josh Jacobs. Dallas Cowboys not going to tag Tony Pollard. Tennessee Titans not going to tag Derrick Henry. The LA Chargers, not interested in tagging Austin Eckler. With the exception of guys that are still on their rookie deals, like Bijan Robinson, I think I just named all of the most high-profile running backs in the NFL, at least those that are in the peak of their careers. This would be an interesting story anyway. It takes on another layer when you remember where we were last summer, the the offseason of running back discontent and the conversation around these same running backs, where the position was going, how much money it was worth, what are marquee running backs worth in today's NFL? And I'm not trying to hate, but after the season we just saw, it's hard to say I'm surprised that NFL teams are backing away and not committing top, top dollar to the top of this position these guys needed to have wonderful 2023 seasons to change that discourse. And the brutal truth is, I just don't think they did. Josh Jacobs led the league in 2022, 1,600 rushing yards, 12 touchdowns, saw his production cut literally in half, 800 yards, six touchdowns. More importantly, three and a half yards per carry. I could go down the list. Saquon Barkley averaged 3.9 yards per attempt in 2023 after averaging 4.4 In 2022, Tony Pollard, yes, fantasy football players. I can still hear you complaining about Tony Pollard's dip in production as the Cowboys lead back. Austin Eckler obviously dealt with injury issues. Still 3.5 yards per attempt, just 600 rushing yards when he was on the field. The only guy of this group that I don't think saw a significant decrease in production in 2023 would be the king himself, Derrick Henry. 1,100 yards, 12 touchdowns for a bad Titans team last year. But he led the league in carries at the age of 29, obviously has significant mileage on his odometer since he got in the league in 2016, which raises the question. Clearly, the Titans don't want to commit a tag. What type of money will these guys command on the open market? I don't know. I feel bad for running backs because they, they do bring value to the NFL, clearly. And at the top of their game, they can be difference makers. But between age, injury, decline in production, after a certain point, we're continuing to see this trend that the NFL doesn't want to commit to it big money in the long term. And I can't say that the 2023 season proved them incorrect. The bright side is... It should make for an interesting free agency. Like we just said, teams have more money to spend than anybody anticipated, and it sounds like four or five of the best running backs in the NFL are going to hit the open market together in mid-March. Does that mean teams are going to splash cash on them? Probably not, but it should make for some interesting new signings Movement in the league, star players going to new teams. I'm always in favor of that. Should be interesting to see. Last little bit of news to get to, not running back related, but it fits with the rest of the show. Quarterbacks, I'm going to talk to Mark Sanchez about them plenty here in a sec, but over the weekend we found out Raiders quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo will be suspended two games for violating the performance-enhancing substance policy of the NFL, just a two-game suspension, but... And I th- have a feeling this is not necessarily tied to the suspension, given how the Raiders season went. Garoppolo also expected to be released by Las Vegas later this offseason. So add that to a long list of quarterbacks with starting caliber experience who could be available very, very soon. So we'll see what that leads to for Jimmy Garoppolo. I have a feeling his time as The unquestioned starter of a franchise is done, at least for the time being, but two-game suspension, a relatively minor one, I would guess he's got a chance to catch on as either a well-paid backup or a guy who can compete for a starting job with another team. So we'll see where that goes. But for now, like I said, let's get to our buddy Mark Sanchez talking all things quarterback free agency as well as some of these big time prospects in the 2024 NFL draft. All right, Mark, well, for starters, I I don't think I've seen you since since the last, you know, since the end of the regular season. So I, I know, guess for I for know. for starters as we get ready to ramp everything up this offseason, I mean, how how's how's it treating you? How are we doing today?
1: Oh, buddy, I was excited about the Super Bowl and then I feel like it never ends. you know the NFL offseason is Uh, more important now and more, you know, scrutinized and, and uh, there's more media coverage with it now than maybe ever before. And it's only continuing to grow. It's great for us. I'm just trying to figure out why it took so long to get me on the show. Big guy. I mean,
0: okay. bowl has been gone for a while. You, you joke, like
1: the package must've arrived with the big Stack of money. Yeah, exactly so with the with show? the
0: gifts. No, uh, you <laughs> say jokes like that and trust me, we will start calling you like every week and you'll regret that you said it.
1: Okay, I take it back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll just kidding. I'll just kidding.
0: I'm happy to be here, bro. No, it, it's awesome to have you on, man. I appreciate it. And I, like you said, I mean, there there is no off season. Let's be brutally honest about it. And so, it's combine week. The the NFL's descending on Indianapolis and this is kind of the unofficial start of silly season where, oh, you yeah. know, you know every, everybody's in a trade rumor and there's contract <laughs> talks to, to discuss. But I, w- I want to see if you'll let me lead you down a path right here because I think there's an interesting corollary here. And so mm-hmm. it seems like the guy at the center of all the public interest right now is Bears quarterback Justin Fields for obvious reasons, you know. Right. Interesting situation in Chicago where they hold the number one overall pick. He's had some sex success with the Bears, not enough, I think a lot of people would argue. And now we figure out: is it going to be Justin Fields moving forward? Are the Bears going to draft a quarterback? Presumably Caleb Williams. Obviously, you were a big time draft pick for the New York Jets. You have a little bit of history with scrutiny here. Mm -hmm. What 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 do you what do you think this? And and Justin even said, Justin said on the, uh, on the same Brown brothers podcast, like last week, he's just, he's ready for this whole process to be over. Just tell me yeah. if I'm the bears quarterback or somebody else's quarterback. You have a little bit of history on this. What, what is this? Of what course, is this yeah. yeah. I mean, what's this process like <laughs> when you are the quarterback in question that everybody's talking about?
1: Yeah. I mean, I've been through what Justin's going through where those last couple of years with the jets, I get injured. I'm kind of waiting to hear my own fate, and then you get a call letting you know what's going on. I ended up in Philly and then bounced around the league. However, it shook out for me. But for Justin, he's just ready to either get on to this next chapter or rewrite this upcoming chapter, potentially, with his ball club. And it's difficult because it leaves a lot of things in question, and obviously, I'm of the mindset, this old school, you know, Bill Walsh, West Coast, idea that everything that you do in your organization, the way you sell tickets, the way you meal plan, the way you set up your schedule is to ensure the success of your starting quarterback. And if you do not see it through his lens, I think there's a disconnect in a lot of places. And obviously, you know, people will say, well, he's a quarterback apologist. He played the position. I'm just saying, you look at the good teams, they got a quarterback who can function and seems to be more or less comfortable or as comfortable as you can make them. Now, comfortable doesn't mean he doesn't work hard. Comfortable doesn't mean he can't go win games and make big throws. I mean, comfortable, like in a good position to play with the weapons, with scheme, with time on task, all that stuff's important. Now, time on task has been cut short because of our NFL offseason and all that. So how many guys are really developing quarterbacks right now? I mean, I can think of Patrick Mahomes It's hard to find guys who've been with a coordinator for a long enough amount of time to start seeing these same blitzes and recognizing these defenses with the same system, the same players, the same scheme over and over. So now they're at this crossroads. I think there's a formula to win for Justin Fields, and he's going to have to tote the rock. He's going to have to run the ball maybe more than he's comfortable doing now because he's done it for a few years in the NFL, and it's a lot different than college. You get banged around. He's been nicked up a little bit, not injury prone. I would say, I don't think he has that tag, but it's different when you run the ball in this league, there's some big dudes coming to knock your head off. So the formula to win with him is to acquire talent and let him play, let him go play, keep continuing to develop him as a pocket passer. But understanding that a lot of his big plays are going to come on second chance opportunities when he extends the play. Now, in my opinion, this has nothing to do with how he's played or if I think he should stay there. If you decide decide to get rid of him, totally fine. Send him somewhere else. Wish him luck. Justin's going to go work hard just like he did in Chicago. The the idea there is now you're loading up. I mean, you're really loading up because they fleeced the Panthers last year for a bunch of picks, got everything they needed. Now, if they feel like one of these quarterbacks, whether it's Caleb, Drake, May, somebody else can come in and play for them. And they got the five year plan for that guy with all these weapons. You probably go out and get the tackle from Notre Dame with some of those picks trade back, maybe trade back up. If you want to go get one of the receivers uh, to help that receiving core in, in Chicago. And that's basically your game plan.
0: This is an interesting thing to ask a, a quarterback about. Cause I mean, look, there's only, there's only so many guys that can do this at the right level to win. Right. But at the same time, finances are, are such a huge part of this, especially yeah. it seems like a good bet that a quarterback's going to hit the $60 million mark this offseason. Somebody is. Yeah. So how do you weigh the idea of like, okay, you're either good enough or you're not versus the obvious value. Like you said, of the five-year plan. I mean, Caleb Williams, Drake may Jaden Daniels, whoever it is, that guy comes with four or five years of cost control. Whereas Justin Fields is, is going to start being expensive as soon as next year. How do you kind of weigh that in terms of, well, the better quarterback is the guy you'd rather have, but, but the financial aspect of this obviously is so, so big. Well, no doubt. And Justin's
1: on the tail end of what those three guys you just mentioned, Drake may Caleb Williams and uh, Jaden Daniels are about to embark on, right? Like they're just about to start it. Now the bears are four years in saying, well, what do you think? Is he our guy? is he not our guy? And a lot of people just right there say, well, if you even have to ask the question, then it's probably time to move on. Well, that doesn't make that all Justin Fields fault. You know, there's plenty of reasons why he didn't play well. He's been through different coordinators. He's been in different systems. Look at guys like Alex Smith until they found a system, five years, five coordinators until he found a system, really a language that he started to get comfortable with and, you know, rack up some time on task. It makes life tough, and then you start trying to make plays maybe that you shouldn't. Then you force the ball here. You dive for a first down there, and you fumble, you know, and then you, these things show up on tape, and it's like, ah, maybe he's not our guy. So that's where Fields is—it finds himself now. I just think that's really the formula for all these teams, and you just nailed it, is the four-year plan. The quarterback's cheap. Go load up the roster around him. Okay, look at the Niners. The Niners are in that mode right now because they've gotten rid of Trey Lance and now they have Brock Purdy for as long as they have him for a few more years. I think he gets to a million dollars in like two or three years, (laughs) but you're only paying your quarterback around a million dollars. You load up that roster. And I mean, you hear our guy from Fox Nick, Wright, Saying maybe Kirk cousins goes over there. So as soon as you said that you got to know this. And uh, I don't know how many people know this. I know some of the jets people know this, but when I was with the jets before I signed my second deal, We had been to two AFC championships after my third year. We missed the playoffs. We went 8-8. and It was statistically my best year. Well, I found out later on after I'd signed my deal that the Jets were kicking the tires on Peyton Manning before he went to Denver. So I was pissed. Like, (laughs) you know, and we're talking contract, but you also realize, okay, that's a first ballot Hall of Famer. So back to the beginning, there's only a handful of teams, maybe, that would you know, Hey, Matt Stafford's available. Hey, uh, you know, whatever. So-and-so is available that are just going to say, no, nah, we're good. <laughs> Most people are at least going to hear the rest of the phone call. Okay. okay? I,
0: I like that, go through, go through teams who would say, no, nah, we're good. Like, I mean, uh, it, it, it can't be, I, yeah, it can't be more than four or five teams. I really, and I really believe that like you could say, you could say there's like eight yeah, to 12. Say what
1: you want publicly. This is our guy. Yeah. Okay, dude. I mean, hey, Peyton I g- Manning's available. What
0: <laughs> hundred. You're like, Oh, I didn't realize we were talking about Peyton Manning, which actually, yeah. okay. Take wow. me through, take me through that where of course you're a competitive guy, back-to-back AFC title games. You have every right to be pissed to hear that. But at the same time, yeah. it is what Peyton. It's Peyton freaking Manning. Like what were your, yeah, I mean, what was your thought process in that, in that well, time? You're f-
1: you're frustrated. You're, you know, you're embarrassed. You're upset, whatever. But I mean, all those emotions are eventually going to subside, and you just go back to work. Like, what are you going to do? And in some ways, you can. I don't know if it's empathize with the team, but listen, it's a first ballot Hall of Famer. You know, the Jordans and the Kobe's and the Lebron. They don't come up very often. You know what I mean? And when somebody says Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, you know, one of these guys is available. Shoot, yeah, I understand why a team might say. Uh, okay what are you thinking or what's the number or how available is available so um i mean i get it but it also you know for a guy like brock purdy that sucks sometimes to hear oh well they should just go get this quarterback and they would have won the super bowl is that true is that fair and uh, maybe not but you sign up for it all
0: absolutely true god those are my my favorite stories <laughs> are the ones that like years later where you're like oh this is what they were this is who they were really on the phone with when they were <laughs> yeah, saying all that okay no, no. actually speaking of which I am curious. All right. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens with Justin Fields. And I do, I'm going to, I'm going to get back to Caleb Williams. Cause obviously there's a very yeah. obvious tie there with you and him, but speaking of Kirk cousins, and I don't know what the future holds here for him in a few weeks, but it does. It does feel like it's flying under the radar that Kirk is about to hit unrestricted free agency. Like I I don't know if it's because people just assume that he's going to re-sign with the Vikings or because of his Achilles tear. Is it is it the age plus the injury do does it surprise you that there's not a little bit more talk about the fact that a guy who was playing really really good football before his injury is available to do whatever he wants here in a couple of weeks? Yeah, I mean it was right after I want to say the
1: KC game. He beat him on Monday night, no? Uh San Francisco, but, like yeah, but yeah, but yeah. Sorry, sorry, San Francisco and got injured a week or two later, whatever yep. it was. Like, I mean, my man was playing great football. So, but it it also is it seems appropriate that it's like less publicized because it's Kirk Cousins. Like he's very like he watched the quarterback show. That was like the most publicized thing he's ever done. And he was still just like steady on the boat, man. And he's just um, cruising down the highway, 55 miles an hour, like steady. And there's something to be said for that. And he also has this ability to turn it on and make some incredible throws. He's had some great talent around him. And that's, that's the thing. Like, where's the right move for him? Sometimes just staying put. I mean, how many times have we seen quarterbacks, free agents, go from one place to another thinking there was the right connective tissue and it just doesn't work and, or even the best ones take about half a season to really get going. remember um, you know even when Tom Brady did it the year he wins the Super Bowl at the bye week they were like a little over 500 yeah they were right like five and three was, yeah yeah like oh uh, okay. And then they just ended up going on a heater. So you never know. Matthew Stafford took a little time, they were ready to run them out of L.A. after like 10 weeks. And then, boom, those guys catch fire and win the Super Bowl. So everybody thinks now the bar is, well, if you go somewhere new and you get a new system, those guys could do it. Are you up to that level? Now, that's not totally fair to Kirk, but in some ways that might tell me to stay put. But they have, they have some issues, you know, numbers-wise, because I know Jefferson's going to want some money. Kirk's going to want some money. Um, you know, you got to think, especially this late in his career, I think he'd be potentially one of those guys to not do like hometown discount and just, you know, give services that you're not compensated for, but you know, you want two or three receivers to throw to, you want an extra tight end to throw to, you want a back to hand it off to like those things matter. And, you know, Tom Brady was one of the best with that at acquiring talent, giving up a little money, sacrificing a little for himself and,
0: and making sure that they had a squad when you think of Justin Jefferson, Jordan, Addison, TJ Hawkinson, I don't know how many places are going to offer Kirk a contract that have more to work with than that. unless unless the Niners really are willing to offer him a deal, which I just kind of, that would
1: be wild.
0: I mean, that would be, that would be wild. That would be completely insane. It just disrupts
1: their whole model because I don't, I see, I don't dive too far into the cap stuff. That's, you know, that's all the other guys that do some of that stuff. I just, um, I don't know what their numbers are with all the guys they got. I know they got some guys cheap late in the year with Chase Young and Randy Gregory and stuff like that, but they got to be paying Hargrave, Bosa. They just um, backed up the Brinks truck for Bosa. You know, like, you're going to have to pay Hufonga or what are you going to do there? Um, you know, where's Fred Warner at? Uh, Greenlaw, is he coming back? Like, they got plenty of guys to pay. Debo, they paid. Uh, IU got paid, like... It's uh I I don't know if they can afford a $60 million quarterback.
0: I'm going to never doubt a team if they're willing to make it happen, but yeah, I'm going to step out yeah. on the limb and say, that's not happening. I, with, with that's apologies, with apologies to Nick, Wright. I have to see it to believe it. <laughs> All right. I did. I had a oh, coffee's couple- right. It's the greatest call. Dude. Oh my, I mean, <laughs> it's like. Not to mention not to mention incredibly entertaining on top of all of that. Like a team <laughs> no doubt. that was a quarter away from the Super Bowl, changing quarterbacks again. Okay. I have I have a couple more things I want to hit on with you. And you kind of you kind of touched on this. It's very similar to the Justin Fields situation, but another quarterback situation in the NFL that I'm really curious about is Pittsburgh. And, you know, you just drafted Kenny Pickett it's what he just finished year 2 obviously not going the way that they would prefer and it it sounds like they want to bring in some sort of competition for him but i'm curious from your perspective how do you how do you balance bringing in competition for a first round draft pick trying not to ruin his confidence his self-esteem all that good stuff or do you even worry about that at this stage in in kitty pickett's trajectory
1: well here's what i'll say um when i was in new york um, we had gone to the two AFC championships. Then we missed the playoffs that same kind of Peyton Manning type year. I think it was maybe a year or the year after that, uh, um, going into my fifth year. I want to say we Jeff Geno Smith in the second round and, um, we might've traded up to get him or whatever, but even that, even after being in the playoffs twice, going on deep runs, then we had two years where we missed the playoffs. And it was like, there was a little bit of question. Now, it's New York, it's bigger, it's, you know, all that kind of stuff. But Pittsburgh, you know, much smaller market, but still in that town and that, you know, media space, it is hot right now for Kenny Pickett. And that's, I mean, it's like, how do you tune it out? It's nearly impossible. You're the quarterback of the team. You have to go up and give press conferences. It's almost like the president in the United States. You get briefed before the press conference. So you have a general idea of, you know, being able to read the room and understand what headlines are headlines and what's going on and what people are circulating in the media. So it makes it tough for him. And I always say, if you have two, you have none. Um, once again, it's got to be seen through the starting quarterback's lens. And, you know, I, I understand that a backup that's capable, uh, that can get you out of a four game, you know, um, four games, uh, he's gotta be able to play for a month and try and win two out of four games is essentially Mm -hmm. what I think a backup quarterback should be able to do, uh, just in case your starter goes down. But if your starter goes down for the year, I mean, it's a, it's a wash anyway, you know, like Peyton Manning went down ever like that was, you know, in the words of Tom Moore, where, where, you know, what the (laughs) old yeah.
0: The old, we don't practice screwed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right, one last one for you, and it, it's obligatory. Like I said, I mean, you are a USC quarterback, a first round pick sure. out of USC. Who better to relate to what these next few months are going to be like for Caleb Williams than you? And I'm just curious. I guess your assessment of of where he is. It's it's always interesting. Yeah. You know, he's he's been in the spotlight for so so long. You know, like you win the Heisman Trophy a year before your final year of eligibility, your final year in college. How do mm-hmm. you deal with that much scrutiny for that long? And just, I guess what's in front of him here over the next two, two and a half months until he finally hears his name on draft day.
1: Yeah. It's a little bit like uh Matt liner and Reggie. When I was there, they had Reggie was on his Heisman campaign and Matt had just won it. And you know, the guy's larger than life on campus. I got to sit a couple lockers down from Matt and right next to Reggie. And you see these guys and it's like, you know, there's people at school all the time just hounding them for autographs and you see people around trying to take pictures and stuff. Like I can only imagine what it is today. You know, that was back in 2005, six, seven, you know, like right in there. So there's a lot of pressure for that guy. You win the Heisman before you're done play another season and expectations are just through the roof. And the other thing is, you go from whatever he is, anywhere from 21 to 23 years old or whatever, you go from that same person that's in college, that's, you know, hanging out with the guys at a college party, like after a, a big win against Ohio State, for instance, or whatever, to a professional locker room. Nobody's talking about tests and, Uh, writing an essay and who are you going to take to the, you know, spring formal dance and stuff like that. I mean, these guys are talking about like, you know, I just got divorced. My daughter has leukemia. um, You know, like there's like bigger life things going on in these conversations in a locker room and you're expected to be the guy. And all of a sudden overnight, you're just supposed to have the discernment of a 65 to 70 year old Supreme court justice. (laughs) And you literally, (laughs) Just rolled out of a college dorm room. Now Caleb wasn't in a dorm room. I've seen pictures of his place. It was a lot nicer than the place I used to live. Right? But that NIL money's real. <laughs> yeah. So it's just you know what what is expected is unfortunately unrealistic. And okay, a, a great example is you know when I was in um, college, uh, I'm I'm Mexican American, Hispanic American, whatever you want to call it. And I wore a mouthpiece that had red, white, and green and the Mexican flag on it. And I got scrutinized for that in college at SE. Well, people like wrote letters to the football office and Coach Carroll and people were upset. Like I was some radical uh, Hispanic movement politician. Like I was going to be like Cesar Chavez or something. So I was like, whoa. Uh, you know, and it kind of died down. I played my senior season and, um, and it came up in these combine questions. So I guarantee you in, at the combine, Caleb's going to get asked right or wrong, whether you agree with it or don't, whether you think it's silly or you think it's cool. Why do you paint your nails? What's that all about? What's, uh, what's this? What's that? Why'd you, why'd you wear that mouthpiece? He's some sort of like politician or something. You trying to like revolutionize You know, people ask you questions. You're like, no, man. So you're trying to like speed date and think, yeah, we're going to eventually potentially pay this guy $60 million a year in four or five years. That's what they're doing in this tiny condensed world. And in this vacuum, you answer some questions. Sometimes some teams have you talk to a therapist. Don't even talk about football. Some teams give you plays to learn overnight. And then they show up and you got to work out, call the plays. Like you're in a huddle, go through their whole two minute drill on the field with just you and a couple of receivers. You know, they, they're going to ask him to do a ton of stuff and they're going to make decisions off of how all those things go. Is that totally fair? Probably not, but that's the way this world works. And that's the way this whole combine draft prep works. And there's going to be a lot of decisions made off of something as silly as a mouthpiece or, or even fingernails.
0: It's easy to fall into the trap of thinking that this is all a byproduct of social media. Just, I mean, it—it's yes. all—it's because it's because it's, it's, cause it's everywhere. But yeah, it's a good reminder. I mean, I know you know social media was technically a thing when we were in school, but not to the degree it is now. Yeah. So the fact that people no. are asking you about your mouthpiece all the way back in exactly oh seven oh nine. I mean, some somehow I'm <laughs> somehow I allow myself to be surprised by that. It really is. It's the most bonkers thing we do is this draft process. Caleb, if for some reason you're watching, I'm wishing you the best, man. I don't care if you paint (laughs) your nails. (laughs) Don't care if you paint your nails at all. You can sling the hell out of the rock, dude. Mark, I promise I'm I'm not going to call you every week, but we definitely got to do this more often, man. This was really fun, and I really appreciate it.
1: I'd love to, buddy. Thanks for having
0: me. All right, let's wrap up our first show back by having a little fun, getting a little reckless with it. We still got a few weeks till free agency. As of yet, no movement on the trade front as it pertains to Justin Fields or anyone else. So before that happens, what if we just forecast the way the quarterback positions across the league might change heading into 2024? By our count here on the show, there are as many as 10 teams that could be starting a new guy at quarterback in 2024. So we're just going to go down the list and project who we think that might be for each team and let's start it in the most obvious place of all the Chicago bears who I think are not going to overthink it and are going to draft Caleb Williams number one overall. Oh, look at that on the big board over there. Yeah. gonna look good in the bears uniform. It's nothing personal against Justin Fields. Really? We could do, we could sit here and and break down all the X's and O's and watch all the tape of both of these guys. At the end of the day, like I talked about with Mark Sanchez, I think the finances are what make this decision more than anything else. I'm sure Caleb Williams is going to come with some hiccups. He's not a perfect prospect, but he is substantially cheaper. His contract is going to be worth roughly $40 million. The flexibility that that affords you is invaluable. And if he is great on top of that, now you're cooking with gas. It's too good of a situation to pass up. So, yes, I think Caleb Williams winds up a bear by the end of April. And I think Justin Fields will be traded. The early report this week from Albert Breer is that he thinks the bones of a deal will be in place by the time the combine is over this week. So that is what this is for. The bears get a closer look at Caleb. They get a chance to talk to teams that might want to take a shot on Justin Fields. But I think this is what happens here. We'll get to Justin in a minute because if Caleb is the quarterback in Chicago, that obviously means Fields is going somewhere else. But first, the other team I think at the top of the draft order that's going to do the obvious thing: the Washington Commanders, another squad likely to change quarterbacks. But I don't think they're going to have to look too far. Sam Howell went to U.S. Uh, excuse me, North Carolina, UNC, and so does Drake May. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of smokescreen. A lot of scuttlebutt in the coming weeks. Look, I went to LSU. I love Jaden Daniels. You can't argue, though, against Drake May's arm strength, against his his build, a much bigger, sturdier guy than Jaden Daniels, his athleticism, the big-time throws jump off the screen at you. I think when it's all said and done, the commanders, new ownership in place, new head coach, new GM. It's the perfect opportunity to really start fresh. Drake May an easy-to-market guy, played college ball very near to the district. I think this one just makes too much sense. I think Drake May is the number two overall pick to Washington. Let's jump it to the free agency aspect of this, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We talked about this with Mark Sanchez. I do think it's interesting. Like I said, it's interesting that you don't hear more about Kirk Cousins leaving Minnesota, and it's interesting we haven't heard more about Baker Mayfield potentially leaving in free agency. But I guess I do agree with it at the end of the day. I do have Tampa Bay re-signing Baker. I think it just makes too much sense. Tampa helped him resuscitate his career. He's clearly successful there. I know Dave Canales is off to Carolina, but the structure, most of the roster, we'll see what happens with Mike Evans, but most of the roster should be in place for him to work with. I'm not sure how many teams are going to value what he brings to the table outside of, or at least as much as Tampa Bay. I will say this. I'm curious about what happens with Raheem Morris and Zach Robinson, his offensive coordinator in Atlanta. Remember they know Baker from his time in LA as a member of the Rams. But I do think a deal gets decided in Tampa. Baker Mayfield returns to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I am just curious though. Maybe there will be more teams willing to splash cash on the former number one overall pick than we think. Let's take it to the New York Giants, seeing a lot of rumors of innuendo about the Giants potentially trading up for a quarterback or maybe even trading for a veteran quarterback. I'm here to tell you, and I don't mind saying it on the record, I just don't see it. Not because I think the world of Daniel Jones. I thought it was strange the Giants were willing to sign him. But this isn't a new regime in New York. Brian Dable and Joe Shane were the guys that signed Daniel Jones. You mean to tell me a year later, they completely pull the plug and move massive amounts of draft capital to trade up to the top of the draft and take a new quarterback or that they trade for somebody else's quarterback that isn't wanted anymore and, and take on that drama of moving on from Daniel Jones after one year, not to mention can't cut Daniel Jones. Can't, presumably trade Daniel Jones between the cap hit and the ACL tear that he's recovering from. I don't see it. And if I'm Giants ownership, after the decision to sign Daniel Jones, I say to myself, why would I trust you to make another huge quarterback decision if you clearly feel that badly about the one that you already did? No, no, no. I think the Giants are stuck with Daniel Jones for at least one more year. Let's take it to the Pittsburgh Steelers. We talked about this with Mark Sanchez. I'm so interested to see the type of quarterback that Pittsburgh brings in to compete with Kenny Pickett. I don't think the Steelers are willing to completely pull the plug on the Kenny Pickett era. This is one of the most old school, traditional organizations in the league. I doubt they give up on him so quickly, but I do think they'll bring in competition and who better than Ryan Tannehill? The veteran quarterback who offensive coordinator Arthur Smith helped revive in Tennessee, they know each other. He knows their offense. Is it exciting if you're a Steelers fan? Absolutely not. Is it just the type of thing I think the Steelers would do? Absolutely. And it would be cheaper than trading for a Justin Fields. Tannehill could keep you in games, potentially win you games, push pick it, but also not be so good that he would demand to be the day one starter. Yeah. It's not sexy. I do think it makes sense, though. All right, let's get real spicy with it. Going back to the draft, let's take it. I mentioned Raheem Morris in Atlanta, but at the end of the day, I don't think the Atlanta Falcons are going to splash big cash on Baker Mayfield because I think they're going to do something a little bit nuts in the NFL draft, and I see the Atlanta Falcons winding up with LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels. I think the Atlanta Falcons if I can borrow a baseball metaphor, they've had their bat on their shoulder for about three years now. They've just been waiting for the quarterback situation to be exactly right ever since Matt Ryan left, and it just hasn't worked out for them. Very quietly, it's one of the only things they're missing. I'm not trying to tell you this is the San Francisco 49ers, but this is a solid roster. There's talent on the defense. The skill players on offense speak for themselves. The offensive line is solid. Quarterback, is just about the only thing missing from the Falcons being, like I said, maybe not a juggernaut, but a good team, a playoff team. The decision to just stick with Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke is why they didn't win the division last year. So do they get bold with it this year? Are they itchy to change that and join the ranks of teams that have a young guy worth feeling excited about? You saw what CJ Stroud did in Houston, even the glimpse of Anthony Richardson, I'm sure the Falcons would be ecstatic for a guy that it can, can inspire confidence like that. Jaden Daniels' arm talent with Kyle Pitts and Drake London, his running ability mixing with what Bijan Robinson can do. Yeah, consider me excited about it. And I think Arthur Blank, the Falcons owner, might be willing to do some wild stuff to get up there and get him. Like I said, the Falcons roster is nice. They can afford to part ways with a couple picks. Get up there and do something about it. I would be excited to see it. I'm calling my shot now. Jaden Daniels to the Falcons. Let's keep it pushing. I said we'd get back to Justin Fields. New England Patriots seem like a hell of a landing spot if they aren't in love with the third best quarterback because that's probably what's going to happen. Patriots picking at third overall. If the top two guys go, Look at the New England Patriots. They're not the Atlanta Falcons. I don't think they have the roster in place to compete right now. So what do teams in those situations do? They trade down. They trade away. If the Patriots are willing to trade away from the number three pick, they can add draft capital. They can take a bunch of swings to improve their roster, and they could use that capital to send a pick to the Chicago Bears for Justin Fields. Maybe that doesn't excite you if you're a Patriots fan. I think it should. I don't know if Justin Fields is an all pro, but he's certainly more exciting than what the Pats have had at that position since Tom Brady left. He can give you a spark. He's a guy that you're excited to go watch play football. And if you do a good job using all that other draft capital, he can be the centerpiece of a much improved team. If it only costs you a second or maybe even preferably a third round pick, I think the Patriots would be silly not to consider that. They even have the cap space to take on his fifth year option if they want to. So yeah. Patriots, all I'm saying, if you're not in love with the third best QB, maybe you should consider it. Let's go to the Denver Broncos. No way to sugarcoat this one. I think the Broncos are slightly screwed. I don't know a better way to say that. Odds are they're going to be paying Russell Wilson a lot of money to not play football for them. So what does that leave you with? They had the foresight to sign Jared Stidham ahead of time. So you know he's there, and I would guess he's going to remain there with a chance to start. But how about this? Have you paid attention to how many New Orleans Saints players have made their way to Denver since Sean Payton got there? Who plays quarterback that's hitting the open market this year? Jameis Winston, who recently said, on Pardon My Take, that he sees himself or wants a chance to compete for a starting job in 2024. At the very least, Sean Payton can give you a chance, Jameis. The history's there. The relationship is there. The need for an affordable quarterback is there. Yes. Go ahead. Thank me later. Thank you, Dave, for predicting this. And if the Broncos are hell-bent on drafting a guy, they're not well-positioned to do it in the first round. But can I interest you in a Michael Penix later on? Yeah, you can still add your draft pick if you want to. But Jameis Winston, just a name worth considering for the Broncos' vacancy, in my opinion. Their division rivals, this one is spicy. The Las Vegas Raiders, what if Russell Wilson, after getting cut by the Denver Broncos, signs a small deal with the with the Vegas Raiders? I don't know how great of a fit it is. I, I don't know any of that, but wouldn't it be the peak of NFL division rival pettiness if he goes to a division rival to try to help take the Broncos down? And if you if, you, if you're not watching the other aspect of this, I think Russell Wilson could be a perfect bridge quarterback. He's 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 not what he was. We all know that, but he's good enough to help you win football games. With Devontae Adams potentially bringing Josh Jacobs back, I could see Russell Wilson having success there, and he's a bridge to a new future. I think the Raiders could be another team that does something drastic. J.J. McCarthy, the Michigan national champion quarterback, I would guess he's going to be the fourth quarterback off the board in this year's draft. Maybe with Wilson under contract, the Raiders are willing to trade up to get McCarthy and you've got your heir apparent with your veteran. Something to consider. These are the things I think about when I'm on vacation. No, rest and relaxation, absolutely not. I'm thinking about a Russell Wilson, J.J. McCarthy quarterback room. And last but not least, the biggest name on this list, and I agree with Mark Sanchez, the one that seems the least likely to move, Kirk Cousins. I think he remains a Minnesota Viking. It just, it makes too much sense to me between his age, the Achilles injury, and the situation in Minnesota. Like I said, look through the NFL. Tell me the team that needs a quarterback that has a better situation than what Minnesota can offer Kirk Cousins. It ain't Vegas, because they share a division with Patrick Mahomes. I'll give you Atlanta. If the Falcons want to invest in a 36 year old quarterback coming off of an Achilles tear. I could see that otherwise Kirk cousins is better off with Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, TJ Hawkinson, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think it makes too much sense. I don't think the Vikings would throw the entire Brinks truck at Kirk cousins, but I don't think it would take that to keep him in place. So I do think Kirk cousins, at least for the next two or three years remains a Vikings quarterback those are my predictions. That's how I see it going. I cannot wait to see how I'm wrong. There's, the, the fun thing is, I mean, there's, there's going to be movement between the field situation, between the number of good quarterbacks coming in. And again, there's, there's two marquee quarterbacks scheduled to hit free agency. We'll see if either Baker Mayfield or Kirk Cousins actually leaves. But the fact that it's even possible is pretty unusual. Teams just don't let franchise quarterbacks do this very often we will see how it goes and the exciting part is you won't have to wait long we will be back later this week we've got a combine preview we're going to talk about the prospects who to know who might impress who might not impress who's going to work out who isn't going to work out all that fun stuff that feels so important at this time of year we'll have you covered from a combine perspective and moving forward all the way up until the contracts start flying in free agency. Thanks again to Mark Sanchez. Thanks to y'all for tuning in. It's great to be back. Please, like I said, find us on the socials, on the podcast feed. I'm looking forward to it, man. The, the games are why we do this, but the offseason and, and, and the storylines and the decisions that shape the season to come, uh, it just it gets me excited in the dorkiest way. I can't wait to go through it with all of y'all. We'll catch you next time.